0: To the mission uh, where our mission is to restore, equip, and send. Everybody repeat after me. Say restore, equip, and send people to impact the world for Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's what God's called us to do. Um, As we turn to the word of God, turn with me, please, to the gospel according to John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. I want to um, congratulate uh, some folks from our church that did the marathon last week. Um, the LA Marathon. I know Noah's here, and I think Brother Wayne Jackson also did it, and um, I believe uh, Princess um, Miller also um, participated in the, the LA Marathon, and i um, just proud of you guys. You guys are sources of in- inspiration for me, because I've never done one, and I don't know if I ever will. Um, I, always, I always say when Bumi and I met in college, she was Running track, and I was running after her, and I caught her. But that's about the extent of, of my running anymore. Um, so uh, congratulations to you guys. Let's let's uh, sh- let's just congratulate all of our marathon runners. Also, those I, those of you guys, I know you guys uh, were able to finish that race, and it's not easy. Praise God. <clears throat> Um, How many of you know that we we stood by and we stand behind and stand with um, our Los Angeles Unified School District workers who were on strike this past week um, uh, fighting for uh, greater wages, um, stronger benefits for those um, who worked in classified positions, school bus drivers, teachers assistants, um, custodial workers? Uh, and so many others. I know we have so many of our church family that work in the district and work in other districts and understand how important it is for our families who work so very hard uh, to receive the compensation and the support that they need to lead their families. And we're grateful to hear that the district and the union came to an agreement. um, And so it was a victory on behalf of the workers um, in uh, in conversation and discussions with, um, with the school district. So let's just thank the Lord for that. Amen. I think it's uh, very important. Um, we, many of our teachers from our church were there at the picket lines, and Mama Lisi was there. I know Rachel Acosta works there, Jessica Hernandez, so many others that work um, for the district. And so... We're we're thankful and we're blessed. It's important because if we're not careful, it's very easy to worship money. It's very very easy to be greedy. It's very easy to um, allow things and the pressures of this world to corrupt us. But how many of you know that if we strive to pursue Jesus, if we strive to live out the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. The Holy Spirit would bring us to the point of forcing us to have to check ourselves, our motives. As I look into the congregation, Sister Paula, we heard about uh, the house fire, and we'll be contacting you and we love you and praying that the lord provides all of your needs sister paula murphy um would you raise your hand sister paula her family's house burned down this past uh, two weeks ago and um, we're just receiving news about that and um we love you and we're gonna see to it that you land on your feet amen amen May the lord be with you and the family and thankful that nobody is hurt If we're not careful in life, the pressures of life can change us from the inside out. We're going to read a portion of scripture where certain religious leaders and people that um, were considered the religious or the good people... um, Allow their hearts to be driven by the things of this world. And the Word of God, you guys, is the very thing that helps to convict us. Somebody say us. To get us back on track if we start to veer off. Our convictions have to be aligned with the heart of Jesus the things that we stand for and the things that we represent have got to be in alignment with the word of God otherwise we're going to be walking outside of the alignment with the Holy Spirit and with the word of God in other words we're not going to be walking and living in Jesus's will in God's will In scripture, we're going to read about a story right here where Jesus walks into a home where he's a guest, and as soon as Mary, Lazarus and Martha's sister, sees him, she goes and brings an alabaster box or perfume that was worth A year's wages. And she breaks it open. And she pours it upon Jesus' feet. She begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. In other words, she begins to worship Jesus. She begins to adore him and love him. Almost in a way where it made people feel very uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And then people began to criticize. People began to hate on her. People began to murmur and whisper and say things about her that were not true. They started to create rumors about her that even people like to make movies about even today. Because of the way she demonstrated her love for God. It's only at times when people are threatened by the fact that others are truly worshiping God and really get it and whose hearts are in the right place that they begin to become critical of others that are doing the things that they themselves should be doing. There it is, I said it. In the story of Cain and Abel at the beginning of the Bible, we read of two brothers the sons of Adam and Eve. And they both brought offerings to God. And while they brought offerings to God, the Bible says that Abel brought better offerings to God than Cain. Abel brought the the choice, fatted meat and animals to sacrifice unto God where Cain brought, it says, the dregs of the harvest of the vegetables that he produced. And he became jealous of his brother Abel because Abel was worshiping God. And Cain was not worshiping God with his heart but was living for himself and kept the best for himself and his own and not for God. Let us read this passage of Scripture in John 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'd move us. Lord, that you'd change our hearts. That you'd bring conviction, Lord Jesus that you'd bring us into obedience, Father, that you'd open our minds, you'd open our hearts, you'd open our spiritual eyes to see beautiful things in your word today. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand what it means to worship. Help us, Father God, what it, what it means to recognize when others are worshiping and not criticize, Father God, or become covetous or jealous. But, Lord Jesus, help us to join them and learn what it means to truly worship you and to live for you. So, Father, we we thank you, and we ask that you bless this time in your word. And God's people said, amen. Put your hands together, church. Put your hands together for the Lord. (laughs) Context is king. Context is king. In John chapter 8, Jesus, standing amongst a group of the religious right and lawyers of Scripture, were brought a woman and thrown at the feet of Jesus and these men because she was caught in adultery. And they said, Jesus, what should we do with this woman according to the law of Moses? She should be stoned. She was caught in the act with whoever else the person was. They didn't bring him, did they? And Jesus said, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. And the men that were there dropped their stones one after the other. In a moment of truth, a sober moment of truth, about our human condition. And they walked away and did not condemn the woman. And Jesus says, Woman, may your sins be forgiven. Go and sin no more. I'm gripped by this story because it shows us that the men that were there at this moment could not help but recognize and admit, watch this, watch this, that this man named Jesus that they had despised, whom they were trying to catch in, in traps, that who, who they were trying to ask questions to see if he would give an answer that would bring blasphemy according to Jesus' name, and that way they could arrest him and that they could kill him. At that moment, they walked away and they had to submit To Jesus' authority and the truth that he spoke at that moment. They walked away, yes, give them credit for that. But later, they were infuriated at the fact that Jesus had won that moment. That they had to succumb to his authority and his word in a public setting. It caused them to be more angry than before. In John chapter 9, somebody say John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And instead of celebrating this man's healing, a man who had never been able to see, Jesus healed him by spitting in some dirt and creating mud and, and created his own kind of salve, placed it on the eyes of the man a couple of times, and finally the man's eyes were open. And he says, oh, my Lord, I can see for the first time in my life. Instead of celebrating the miracle, because Jesus did the miracle on a Sabbath, a holy day that was meant to be a day of rest and a day where you're not supposed to do any work, they said Jesus did work by healing the blind man. Therefore, Jesus has broken the law of Moses. Therefore, it is more egregious towards God for him to actually heal this man and restore his sight, the sight of the blind. And so they continue to build cases against Jesus. Somebody say context is king. And then we go to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus proclaimed himself, John 10:30, he says, I and the Father are one. So here, Jesus now declares and proclaims to be God himself. Oh, that that just done it. That just did it. That's it. That was the last straw. This guy says he's God. There it is. The moment we've been waiting for. Yes, we finally got him. Who's this lunatic? Who's this crazy man? Who's this man filled with demons? Who's this man operating on behalf of Beelzebub? Lord of the flies. So we see the context building up. They're trying to set Jesus up. They're trying to set traps for him. They want to kill him. They're looking for a reason to do it. And then, chapter 11 of John, what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. The only person that's ever done that, you know, is the prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah, Elisha, raising the dead. And here Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And it says that the people were going over to Jesus. The people were going over to Jesus and leaving the way of the Jewish religious people the temple. They were following Jesus because of the things that he was doing. If, you back, if we back up from chapter 12, the passage that is in question today, and we're building through the character, the history, and the background of this passage, which I think is really, really important. We're going to see here that in verse 48 of chapter 11. Watch what what it says. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. We read right here that really at the end of the day, When people are most threatened by the things of life is when our place, our name, our legacy, what we have is threatened, could be taken away. We see here that the gospel of John is showing us what was at the heart of why these people really wanted to Entrap Jesus and kill Jesus and plot to arrest Him. It's because they were threatened. Their place and their name. It says they'll take both our place and our nation, our identity. Who will we be if Jesus goes on and the Romans go on? to have their way with us. We're seeing here that in chapter 12, as Jesus goes into this home, Judas's character and what he represents in chapter 12 is very similar to that of the religious leaders, isn't it? And Judas was a part of Jesus's 12 disciples. Judas was a part of Jesus' closest people. And here we see with Judas, he looks on and sees Mary washing Jesus' feet with her hair and pouring this expensive perfume and nard upon his feet. And he says, oh, look what, he's, look what she's doing. Doesn't she realize how expensive that is? We could take that, we could sell it, and we could give it to the poor. But really... What we really see going on is the same thing that we see building up here in chapters 8, 9, 10, 11. Where Judas is is being challenged by his own place. A place of selfishness and greed. He really wanted to say, why is she wasting all that perfume? We can go and sell it. And we can keep it. And I can help myself to it. I'm reminded as, as, as a, I'm a parent, and I'm reminded as, you know, sometimes the things that siblings go through. You ever had a child that was replaced um, of being the baby in the family? You ever had a child that didn't so, you know, easily take to the little, the new little brother or the new little sister? And some of us fall into different roles, you know, more easily than others, but You know, sometimes we can see that. We got three kids, and we remember when Lola was born. Judah was so happy. But guess what? He had to work through some things and making way for the place that Lola took in our home. But how many of you know that if you're a true child of God, the love that God has for you is the same love that he has for me? The love that he has for you is the same love that he has for the other, regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of where we, the, the, the background that we come from in life. But when people are threatened that their place, their identity is going to be taken, it causes us to do some things that are unlike the life of a believer, unlike the life of a disciple, unlike. The life of Jesus that he led. Amen? Amen. Here in chapter 12 of John. Instead of everyone being there and recognizing what was really happening. The fact that prophecy was being fulfilled. The fact that Jesus having been preparing his disciples for his departure. Had recognized the worship. That Mary had offered him as the preparation for his burial. And Jesus himself even says it. In verse 7, he says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll, You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. Jesus was saying, I'm already dead. And she understands that I'm not going to be here much longer. And I think what the Lord is wanting for us to understand today is that he wants to continue to prepare our hearts. He wants to prepare our hearts for the crucifixion that is just right around the corner. Next Sunday will be Palm Sunday. And our hearts will have to be checked what type of person we will represent, On that road into Jerusalem, will we be the people who, seeing the praises of Jesus in one breath and in the other, condemn him, crucify him, crucify him, hosanna in one breath and crucify him in the next? And you're thinking, no, no, not me, pastor. Oh, no, not me, God. I'm no one's judge. Nobody in here is anyone's judge. Peter said the same thing, didn't he? Peter in the Bible, one of Jesus' closest, said, I'll never deny you, Lord. And Jesus says, Oh, don't trip. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter had to deal with that reality. And we're thinking about these things. There's a couple of things that is coming to mind. A very practical thing that I'm understanding and seeing is much like this discussion that the Los Angeles Unified School Districts have had to have with union representatives. To not allow greed to be at the center of the things that we belong. The things that we run. The things that we're in charge of. We're seeing that it's a good thing that the people are able to celebrate this great victory of sharing and receiving what belongs to them. I think whenever we're put in a position to consider our own needs, our own desires, our own wants, is when sometimes the worst comes out in us. And instead of being able to celebrate with others over the, the joys and over the victories that they experience, sometimes we find ourselves jealous, covetous, wishing that that was us. The Lord's reminding us here today, don't be like Judas. Learn to worship God. Learn to thank Him for what you have. Learn to thank Him for what you already possess. It all belongs to God. He could take it all away. None of us are ever put in a pinch. Protect our hearts, protect our minds from going to that place, turning to the flesh. Amen. We see here that we have to ask ourselves the question, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us that these stories should speak to our hearts and to keep us from walking down a path that a believer doesn't belong? The Jews and other religious leaders looking for reasons to kill Jesus, I believe that God's causing us to ask the question on a daily basis how we can learn to worship Him like Mary, not get bogged down with the trivial things of this life, but that we learn how to be worshipers like her. we learn to see the things that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Here's this woman who come, who comes in, throws herself at the feet of Jesus. She washes his feet with her hair. She pours all this perfume and this nard on Jesus's feet and wastes it. Pours it all out. Her whole life savings. All of everything that she has, she gives, she lays it down right there for Jesus. Jesus is really causing us to check our hearts on a daily basis as we prepare for what Jesus is planning to do we're joining with Mary in that kind of worship we're joining with Mary and recognizing the meaning of who Jesus is it really has nothing to do with Jesus' comment about the poor he was just saying that to negate and put Judas back in his place or whoever else was thinking what they were thinking. Jesus was simply placing the spotlight on the fact that Jesus knew what time it was. Jesus knew what time it was. And every day, you guys, it's a process of, uh, for us to deny the flesh, to act in the flesh, to respond in the flesh, to act out in the way that we used to act out. Maybe you know when somebody when, when somebody cuts you off out there on the street somebody pulls, pulls around the wrong way on the parking lot and snatches your, your parking spot that you've been driving around circling for 25 minutes at the track meet. Somebody got the job or the raise that you thought you should have got. And now even the mere sound of that person's voice bothers you. They don't even deserve it. They show up late. I show up on time and I leave after everybody and I'm just being overlooked. Why is the woman who's there groveling at the feet of Jesus getting all the attention and all the love right now? And I'm over here. I've been faithful since the beginning. And I've been overlooked. That's where the humility of Christ shines in the life of a believer. You stay protecting your heart. You stay building a hedge of protection around your mind. You cast that thought And you rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus and don't let that thought plant a seed or fester there in your spirit or in your soul. Where bitterness can grow and turn into fruit, hatred, anger, unforgiveness. Because it only will continue to kill us. Only continue to breed destruction. Wickedness and evil. How many of you heard about the man who killed his wife at a Bible study in Minnesota? In front of everybody. Terrible. Terrible. A life of a so-called believer. I don't know if that's a very good testimony for us believers, but it shows that the enemy can Make his way into anyone's heart or mind, regardless if you're saved or not. Just because you've given your life to Jesus doesn't mean that you're not capable or I'm not capable of doing some of the most heinous or crazy or wicked things that we've ever heard of in this world. Because the life the, the life of a Christian, the life of a believer, the life that God is calling us to is a life that's got to be surrendered to him, a life that has got to be thrown at his feet every day, recognizing Jesus, knowing that God has already provided a sacrifice. God has already provided a way for you and I to recognize that our sins have been forgiven. You don't have to fight. You don't have to elbow in line at the, at the, the, the free handout and give away. Well, that's mine. Oh, come on, man, relax. Let them. Go ahead. Somebody wants to get into your lane, you go and you speed up and don't let them in. i like, what's up? <laughs> man, we're all going to the same place. Same, same place. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Koba said, we're all going to the same place. He said, yeah, everybody's headed to church. Murdering people in our minds. Losing our salvation. Guys, we gotta build a hedge. Guys, we, it's our heart that God's after. It's our heart that God is after. It's our heart that Mary Mary had because she had been forgiven much. She had been forgiven of so much. Her past had been forgiven by Jesus when others wanted to scratch her off the list, condemn her, judge her. I'm going to say something kind of tough. You know, that's what happens when I normally take the mic off the stand. You know what's the hardest thing for Christians to forgive? Or one of them at least. When another Christian or fellow believer fails. We can forgive people who don't know God because they don't know better. It's easy. It's easy for us to create a place of grace in our hearts for those who God is in the process of saving but don't let it be a Christian who has made some mistakes and who knows better who fails don't let it be somebody that You think needs to pay the price. Them are the worst, them are the most dirty looks you could ever get, huh? Ouch. The same grace that we extend to our unsaved cousin. It's the same grace that we got to extend to one another, especially when we fail. And it's not because we're going to need the same grace when we fail. That's That's just a given. But what I'm talking about, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He's talking to, go ahead, Jay. Jesus is talking to Judas, talking to Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, all of his, his people, his people. God loves all of us. There's plenty of love to go around. I always said it, I always said it before. I got three kids. It doesn't mean that I love them with a third of my heart. Oh, Elisha, you only get a third of my love. Judah, you, you only get a third of my love. Lola, you only get a third of my love. No. Lola gets more like 75 and they get like 20. No. No. I'm a daddy. I love every one of my children with everything that i got. And that's the way God is with us. If we understood that, there wouldn't we wouldn't be dealing with so much anger, so much bitterness, so much hatred, so much jealousy, greed. Because our heart is in line with God. Our heart is after God's heart. Our heart is in line with Jesus. You know, sometimes when you're in the position of strength, that's when God needs you to be humble, to consider your brother, your sister, your spouse. That's the life that he's calling us to live. That is true worship. That's what what was going on with Mary. That's what Mary was doing. That's what she was demonstrating. That's what she was pouring out. That's what she was showing what had worth and value. And I believe that's what God's doing in our hearts. God's preparing us for the cross. He's preparing us for the resurrection. But in the process, he's after our hearts. He's after our hearts. Deny ourselves. Pick up our cross. And what? And follow him. Church, I'm going to invite us to stand Tonight today, God's calling us to put Jesus back on the on the throne. Calling us to put Jesus back where he belongs. For the Jews, they were threatened by Jesus. They were threatened by the Romans. But you know what? It's really easy for us to point the fingers at the Romans, point our fingers at the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and even make enemies out of Judas. But really what God's showing us and demonstrating to us is we really can see ourselves even in what the Jews were afraid of in terms of the Roman government taking their place, sometimes we're afraid of God taking the place on the throne of our heart where He belongs because we want to keep ourselves there. We want to keep ourselves on the throne, we want to keep our, our emotions on the throne of our hearts. Instead of allowing God to have full control, full reign over your situation, I'll forget her. I'll forget him. Forget them. Oh, man, turn your heart back over to God. Come on. Give it back to God. Don't take it back. Don't put yourself back on the throne. I can't put myself back on the throne. If I do, guys, it's it's all bad. It's all bad. Lord Jesus, today, help us to take ourselves back off the throne. Father God, today, Lord, help us to recognize you, Lord Jesus, and what you're doing. Father, help us to recognize what Mary is doing and help us to join her in worship, in obedience. Help us, Father God. to recognize how much you love us and what you have for each one of us individually and corporately as the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you forgive us for our sins. Help us along, Lord Jesus, every day. Every day we struggle, Lord. Every day is a battle. But every day you you draw us closer and closer to you. Every day, Lord, we we come closer to knowing what your spirit desires, what your word is teaching us to do. Forgive us, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and the people of God said, amen. God bless you, church. We love you.